This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. I'm Matteo Rizzi, the executive producer of the show. Today is the classic news from the fintech front. And uh, I'm here with two friends and uh, guests and the super experts in the field. I would like to uh, allow them to uh, introduce themselves for a couple of minutes. Let's start with Darren, who is a Breaking Banks Europe Virgin yet. So, Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mateo. Thank you for having me. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Darren Franks. Um, I'm uh, British, as you can probably hear, uh, but I haven't been in the UK for about 16, 17 years. Um, did a, a large stint in the Middle East and uh, I've now found myself in South Africa for the last eight years. Uh, my my day job, I, I run a search firm called Talent in the Cloud, um, and we do executive placements in the fintech sector across emerging markets. Um, I also wear another hat, well, I wear a few other hats, but my other sort of main hat that I wear, um, I'm one of the co-founders of the Fintech Association of South Africa, uh, which we're launching actually in a couple of weeks time. So uh, lots of activity going on there. And um, yeah, I live in Cape Town and try and play golf. And that's that's kind of me. Great, Darren. And then, uh, you know, Ali, everyone knows Ali already. Also, because usually he's the one doing the fin- the use from the fintech front and he's uh, in my shoes. But today, let's say that we have, have two commentators uh, and, and, and two hosts. Ali, welcome back to Breaking Banks. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm actually going to go uh, by what you said at the beginning. I, I am the uh, the expert in all things fintech. There is no gaps in my knowledge whatsoever. Uh, and if you uh, if you think otherwise, I'm sorry. That that's a that's a that's a common common mistake. I know I'm uh, Ali Pallas. I run uh, FF News uh, uh, Fintech Finance, and uh, as I spend most of my time talking to people like yourselves, Darren and Matteo, and uh, hearing some of the yeah, hearing from some of the best and brightest in fintech about uh, all that's uh, all that's happening. Yeah, no. That's why. The, you, you, do you have? Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you do like um, variations on the on the theme songs for for when it comes in? Like you know, for for Christmas, you you throw in a few jingle bells for this, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's summer, so you know, a bit of a bit of a, you know, seagull effects thrown in there, or you know, you know, you know, you know me well enough. You know, I'm absolutely open for anything that is disruptive, innovative. You know. Out of the comfort zone, out of the loop, awkward, whatever. Uh, yesterday, you know, that's we are not starting the show officially just yet, but this is a nice anecdote. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, doing a Web3 All Things presentation for Pipro, and we managed to talk about uh, porn and the Vatican in the same presentation in England. And I conclude this slide with being outside of the comfort zone with the Queen Elizabeth on Tinder. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I, 
I'm pretty familiar, you know. It is it, not it's not that easy to swipe it off my face, guys. You know. Interesting. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, let's dive let's dive in with the first news. I would uh, all of us like to comment, which is uh, it seems that uh, you know the too big to fail thing in fintech at least. Uh, it's starting, uh, you know, being a little bit uh, wishy-washy. And also, uh, I'm sure you read about Klarna. Klarna is raising money at half of the previous uh, uh, valuation. Uh, they were raising like a billion, uh, a billion dollars uh, at a much, much uh, sort of lower valuation, like almost 50%. Uh, if we look at the, you know, what they raised last time, uh, is it like, what do you think of this? Is this like the first of many is because, you know, the, the, the global slowdown or is just because valuation before were just like a crazy high Ali? I think valuations beforehand have been crazy high and this is a much more accurate, accurate depiction. I mean, the, the, the crazy valuations we were having, you know, a couple of years ago, like when you hear how many uh, commerce banks Stripe is worth or whatever, um, th- those valuations, they're kind of, they're, they're paper valuations. I think as these businesses get further down to your, what what round is Klarna on now, F, or even you hear yeah. one's going to... Very soon there will be no alphabet anymore available, <laughs> I guess. When, they, when you bring out, you know, the the, sort of the Greek alphabet symbols, <laughs> that's when you know you kind of gone a bit far. But I, I actually think that this is more of a reflection as to the, the VC market in general as opposed to actually a reflection on Kleiner itself. It's kind of if uh, somebody's working hard and they're getting huge amounts of praise and then, then the following month they're working even harder but less praise... That they're still they're still working hard and getting and getting a lot of stuff got a lot of stuff done. So I, I don't actually think this is a, a a slight on Klarna's performance as a company. I think it's much yeah. more reflective of of the v, the VC valuations out there. I agree. By the way, you know, if there, you might have doubts on like the whole buy now pay later sort of market, but Klarna now is doing so much more than this and becoming like a, the a true like a payment uh, payment giants in general, you know. So I think it's it's a, it's a super cool company. That's why. Darren, what do you think? Uh, I think there are some market dynamics as well that probably have affected that. Um, you know, there there is obviously talk of a you know the global recession. I think investors are twitchy. I think markets are twitchy. Um, so I think that probably impacts some of the valuation. But uh, I know you you just touched on it. But the whole sort of buy now pay later. I I appreciate the plan to do you know, other things other than that. Um, but that market specifically in emerging markets um, hasn't really picked off, and I, I can't see it kicked off, and I can't really see that happening um, again just because of uh, the nature of the markets that that, that we operate in. So I think it's a, it's a combination of probably all the things you've mentioned. Uh, again, I, I don't know the business well enough to comment on what happens internally and uh, and what have you. But uh, I think if you take all those factors in, uh, it's not surprising. I don't think they're the first. No, and also and also, guys, you know that's my you know the the usually when you have such a massive like uh, uh, devaluation of uh, of the company it's a, it's a combination of like how fast they need the cash to grow so you know they 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 join some some compromise and i'm not talking about Klarna, you know specifically but you know now i put my my vc hat and what i've seen in in the past is that of course you compromise on your valuation because you want your cash uh, 
your cash fast is not necessarily a uh, a, a sign that the business is uh, uh, is going uh, uh, is going bad at all actually, but simply that the need for cash is faster than. Uh, the thirst for like uh, inflating valuation, you know, for the sake of it, uh, which is a little bit uh, a worldwide sport sometimes, right? In the startup space, Ali, no? Well, if you need the cash fast, you'll be prepared to, to effectively down round. Um, I, I've got to give um, a bit of a shout out here to a, a friend of mine who won the round the world payments race that we did a couple of years ago, uh, Max Fosch. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys have heard of heard of Max before. He's the um, so he's actually the richest person in the world. Uh, he incorporated a business called uh, Unlimited Money Limited, and he oh. sold one share of it for fifty pounds sterling, giving his net worth a valuation of uh, over five hundred uh, billion pounds sterling. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> eclipsing uh, Mr. Musk and uh, Mr. Bezos. So, uh, uh, and on paper, that he is the richest uh, person uh, in the world. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of bring that into sort of high, uh, highlight the, the, the paper valuation. It's like, what, what does it actually, what does it actually mean outside of uh, uh, outside of of, uh, of vanity? Um, Indeed. Which, uh, yeah, good, good, he's a good guy, uh, Max. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of. Um, the buy now pay later element that Darren actually brought up that's quite an interesting because I, I almost would have thought that the potential in emerging markets has been quite strong for it but if that hasn't happened I, I know um, it's still across the whole of the developed market I know uh, this week we reported about how Revolut have just launched their kind of, sort of pay later offering over in uh, over in Ireland um, but I know that there's like a few of ones happening, but I'm kind of curious as to why you think that there's been a bit of a slowdown in buy now, pay later outside of uh, well, in the developing in the developing world. What, what you see out here is, is lay by rather than buy now, pay later. So, you know, here's your goods, you, you're securing your goods and or your holiday or whatever it may be. You pay that off. And then once you pay that off, you you, uh, you obviously get your goods or get your holiday. That That's popular. Um, but the buy now, pay later model, um, I, I just don't think it really works in this kind of market. We're obviously dealing with, um, you know, low income people um, and the demographics of the market. And I think the risk associated to it, there just hasn't been an uptake. And I think you know, there's, there's a bit of reluctance. There's a bit of um, uh, doubt about how if that model is sustainable. Um, a for the retailers um, and B for the actual, you know, providers. It's it's quite a high risk model, and and also I think it's about culture, guys. You know, and for the US, which is like a pretty, you know, uh, uh, credit uh, uh, not very educated, but certainly credit addicted type of population. You know, it, it might the adoption uh, is, is certainly fast, but. Uh, when you look at uh, like a South European market, like uh, Portugal where I live, uh, or like Italy where I'm from, or France where my kids are, you know, I see very few guys actually willing to split uh, whatever you know a, a, a phone or a PC. You know, from the from the moment they buy, if they want it, they buy it. If they don't, they there are European people are a little bit more prudent in general. I want to say so. I think that the, the 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 motivation actually to to use the product might be might be lacking a little bit, but hey. 
I know we're going slightly off topic of Klarna, but we look at Apple. I was having this conversation the other day um, with with someone about you know Apple is buy now pay later product, and I, I get buy now pay later from a checkout experience if you're you know shopping e commerce. But if you're actually in a shop um, and you, you you've got your phone out, I mean the whole thing with Apple is you've got Apple Pay, you tap, you go. It's very very seamless. Um, do you, what do you guys think about Apple Pay and their buy now pay later at checkout point? I'm talking about in, in a physical retailer. Do you think people are really going to go onto their phones and then start saying I'm going to spread it over three months, six months? Do you think that takes away from the the, the experience? Or Apple went all in and brought a credit kudos a few months ago, um, and that was. Um, Kind of, kind of a left field thing, and then you hear you hear rumors of like if you're a credit kudos customer uh, since they've been acquired that you no know, you can't uh, you know you have to find somebody else. So I'm kind of curious as to what Apple's play is going to be there, having frankly like one of the best credit rating uh, credit rating companies out there. And if they can apply that at point of sale and make it seamless, then absolutely. If if it's like if it's just if you one question as opposed to a form. Then I yeah. think that can be straightforward until they get to that point. There, it's, it's just the same as going to Argos. Guys, I just realized that this, you know, this is my, I believe, is my first like news from fintech fund that I'm moderating, and uh, you know, we have a few news to comment. We have just like the number one, and we are like uh, one third of the show almost. <laughs> and 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 I think it really depends, you know, who you're talking with. But you know, next time we'll just have one news. And then the show will t- we will take wherever it will take us. Yeah, but yeah, Darren, I, I think, stop talking. Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> no, I didn't get the brief. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I am actually enjoying enjoying this, and it's and it's of course the little bit the point of this uh, uh, of, of this particular format of, of the show. So now let's let's like shift completely. We all came back, at least you and I. And uh, no, actually, I was the only one in money twenty twenty. You send a bunch of people there, you know sort they, of mimicking your presence with they, they uh, had uh they brought a little mini mini me exactly exactly uh, sorry about that, but they didn't yeah. um I, exactly I was, you're oh. you're clearly there in spirit and that you weren't there because of course it's not exactly around the corner but you know i was at money 2020 a couple of weeks ago with the team uh, you know for for breaking pants and, and and breaking payments and uh, you know what was uh, the thing that was the highlight for me the fact that Swift, my own beloved Swift, you know, they have they had a stand at Money 2020, you know, and 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 in that stand that we're actually also promoting Cybos, you know, talking about payments, innovation, and it was the first time that uh, you know Swift that clearly, I mean, did compete with Cybos with Money 2020 for for years, right, and. Uh, although, like Cybos is maybe forty-five years old, and 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 Money Twenty Twenty maybe is what six, seven top. I have no idea. Anyway, much much younger. And uh, I thought it was a pivotal moment. And I wonder, you know, what do you guys what do you guys think, Ali? You know, you you have been a, a, both at Money Twenty Twenty and the Cybos sort of aficionado for for a while. So, what do you think? The question I have is whether Cybos and Swift were at Money 2020 in the same way that uh, uh, Cybos 2017, you had uh, Ripple uh, at Cybos in quite uh, large force. And they were literally saying, come to our booth and then herding people onto a coach to take them to their own event. I remember very that. <laughs> cheeky. What, what is, is if, if, I don't really think it's kind of a Swift thing to do, but to, to do a similar thing there at Money 2020. <laughs> I, I think it, it's... Um, 
it's representative of the time that we're in that there again is no no one is in uh, to quote ben robinson nobody's in a big fortress anymore everyone's part of a forest part of the same ecosystem so i, th- I think it was most likely there in good spirit and again highlighting that there's plenty of room but also that level of collaboration make, pushes everybody forward cheesy but true it, yeah but and and but it is it is cheesy and true and by the way i remember so well that 2017 because uh, actually ripple sent remember black vans to literally you know move people for 500 meters from one venue to the other because the two events were literally at the same time right yeah. this this year they're in the same city But at least, uh, you know, they were smart enough uh, to, like, uh, <laughs> not put it at the same at the same time. Darren? Well, I, I didn't go to Money 2020 this year. I, I went a few years ago um, and, uh, you know, th- thoroughly enjoyed the event. But, uh, no, Cybos is still on the uh, on the bucket list, May- maybe next year. Um, so, yeah, I, I look, at, I think it's good to see all players of the ecosystem there, um, whether they're um, sort of the forefront of technology or whether they are um, sort of incumbent operators or um, I don't know, legacy systems or whatever it may be. I think I think it's good to have everyone there. That You know, like you said, Ali, uh, it's, a, it's a big enough uh, market that everyone can get involved in and i think it shows good willing so uh yeah i don't really have a comment i wasn't there but i'd love to have been there to take the buses to another event that sounds pretty cool <laughs> no and i look i look forward uh, to uh to cybos uh to cybos this year we are going to be there with uh with uh both uh, the breaking banks europe show and uh and the breaking payments you know interviewing a, a bunch of people and probably ali we will like do some exchange of courtesies right we will send guests uh, you know, over to, uh, over to each other. You guys are there too, right? Oh yeah. We're going to be, uh, if, uh, we would, we're trialing something, uh, and it, it London FinTech week, if it works, we'll be aiming to bring it to Cybos. And, uh, if it does, Mateo, we'll, we'll give you a haircut when, uh, when you're there. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and then I'm going to, NFTs, I'm going to NFTs a selfie with it and then, uh, you know, put it on the auction. There is talk, I believe, of actually the Cybos tickets being uh, available as an NFT this year, which I absolutely love. So you actually have your ticket as a uh, oh, as wow. NFT, which is that very, would be a super uh, very forward thinking. Okay. Okay, guys. Um, last news before we break, and let's do something which is uh, a bit closer this time uh, to uh, Warren, um, see, to Darren's space. Sorry. Well, I, uh, uh, I don't know what I don't know where this Warren. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the fact that uh, uh, last year we got the first unicorns out of Africa. Great. And uh, someone could think that uh, this was the beginning of uh, a a new era, like for for African African fintechs. Uh, The early part of this uh, conversation is that uh, you can see that uh, In many conferences now, there are a lot of African founders, especially the unicorns one that are actually coming over, uh, including Money 2020, which was like a super, super interesting. And uh, what do you think? I mean, like recently, I, the, it's, it's like they added the zero, literally, in the type of money that uh, African startups were raising. So we were talking about uh, one, two, three, four, five billion. Now is a 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, and... Uh, And every month there is a 30 to 50 million round. I actually super interesting, like CUDA, you know, the Nigerian, the Nigerian mm-hmm. bank, they just hired 
hired a friend of mine. Uh, it used to be the Southern Europe uh, uh, Lavezzi, uh, Mrs. Lavezzi, is uh, the Southern Europe manager for Revolut. So, hey, CUDA, African Bank, hiring the, you know, someone from Revolut, poaching people from a much bigger uh, bank. I mean, like, it's super interesting. It's like, uh, you know, the scene has been completely uh, revolutionized, don't you think? Absolutely. I think from from international investors coming into the market, because that's where all the money is. It's, it's not locally sourced. It's international. Um, I, I think there's now a um, an awareness of the market opportunity here on the continent. Uh, and again, you know, people say Africa. Africa is a bloody big place, right? So, um, you know, if we look at sort of country by country, you look at Nigeria, obviously, where Cuda are operating. Um, you know, you look at uh, the Kenyan market, you look at obviously South Africa. Um, you know, they're the kind of key markets. And you've got Ghana and Tanzania and what have you. Um, that, that there's... I think the difference between fintech in emerging markets and dif- um, fintech in developed markets... Um, Fintech in developed markets is, is, is a little bit more when you talk about uh, Revolut and it's, it's more of a luxury app, right? It's a lifestyle app um, or it's a lifestyle experience. Whereas if you look at what happens and what Fintech is in emerging markets, it, it, it's about financial inclusion. It's about getting people who are completely either unbanked or, um, or, or partially banked into the financial services world and ecosystem. Um, and, and that's the biggest differentiator. And I think once you, once you um, see the amount of people that are unbanked, in Nigeria or in the, on the continent, it, it's it's a it's frightening. Um, but b you, you sit there as a probably as an investor and go, there's a big opportunity here. Um, so that's helped a lot. I think the um, uh, the perception of um, African businesses, uh, African fintechs, has also you know done pretty well over the last few years. Um, Again, a lot of the founders who have raised these big tickets, these big ticket numbers, um, tend to be Western educated. Um, so tend to have come from the US or the UK or other parts of Europe, uh, have, have, ed- have been educated there and then have set up fintechs. Um, CUDA is a good example. Flutterwave is a good example. Um, OPE is slightly different because uh, that was Chinese backed, um, you know, a couple of rounds ago. So that's probably a slight anomaly. But um, if, you, if you look at actually the dynamics between what the founders are within those fintechs, that they have some common traits. Um, but I think, you know, the market is huge. The market um, is susceptible to, you know, fluctuations in, in what happens and um, what happens globally. But um, if you still think of financial inclusion being the main driver, um, that I don't think will be affected by any sort of, you know, downturn in the market. I think there are still massive, massive opportunities. And, um, you know, payments still runs or payments is probably the, still the biggest part of fintech in, in the emerging markets, probably fo- followed by microfinance, microlending. Um, Fido, who is a, a Ghanaian-based, well, Israeli-based, but um, Ghanaian-based uh, microfinance company, they've just raised a big round as well. So um, th- th- there's quite a lot of this, uh, you know, microfinance, some of the more developed markets in Africa, so Kenya and Nigeria and South Africa. Um, and that's, um, you know, that, that's stimulating a lot of activity. Obviously, they're raising big rounds to, you know, to bolster their, um, you know, their, their capital and their loan books. So yeah, there's lots of really exciting things happening here. But hey, you best me say Ali goes straight. Do you mean go straight into adverts or? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, come on. You should don't don't unveil uh, you know the, the 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 back the back kitchen man. I say go straight. Like don't wait for me. Oh, to I was going to wait you. Uh, what the uh, hell are you thinking about? You know? I, I was going to go straight into just basically absolute. Go straight into where? Kuda just... is incredible. That's the thing I was going <laughs> to. 
go on to, but I was going to be waving that coup de flag because that, like, what Babson, the team have done out there, I, the, the hockey stick growth, but also that potential growth is uh, is phenomenal. And also, Darren, I think um, when coming to speaking with VCs, it's pretty, it's an easy sell to say there's 200 million people in Nigeria without a bank account. Um, yeah. We want to get them a bank account because even if that's, you know, a dollar every every year from them, you got two hundred million dollars. It's a big, big market. What what are you mentioned that it's not just about financial inclusion now. What what are some of the the opportunities and the types of VCs that that we're seeing in this? Because if it's more advanced, so to speak, levels of financial services, yeah. why why not go to a more mature market like Europe, for example? Well. <laughs> I think it depends on the, 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 the risk appetite of a, of a VC, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. uh, I, I, there's some, some big private equity firms based out of London um, who have got some massive investments in, uh, in in Africa and African fintechs. Um, you know, a big one was uh, the DPO Group, which was founded in in Kenya. Um, when I first started working with them seven years ago, there was about thirty people. Um, they sold to Network International last year for two hundred eighty million dollars, um, which was a, an amazing journey. So that that's payments, and if you look at the 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 B two B side, um, you know, how can you facilitate not only local e commerce but uh, pan African e commerce, and that's going to be a big thing coming up. Um, you know, how do you uh, how do you make that borderless? Um, obviously, there's lots of currencies in in Africa. There's a lot of exchange controls as well uh, between countries, um, which can be quite complicated. So, you know, working with um, you know the the, you know, the big African banks, um, working with the regulators to try and lower those barriers and to allow commerce. To, to trade and have those sort of free trade agreements effectively, um, that, that's going to impact the market massively. Um, I think with uh, general sort of fintech, it, it other than perhaps South Africa and Kenya, um, Kenya, I, I know I've mentioned that a couple of times, but because of M-Pesa, um, which was started you know, 14, 15 years ago, maybe even longer, um, that, that's really the home of, as far as I'm concerned, that's the home of fintech, right? That's, that's where fintech really started from. Um, and everything's kind of exploded from there so yeah with the exception of, of, of probably kenya and, and south africa and you look at the the rest of africa it, it's it, it, there's so many untapped opportunities um i think once you get people financially included then you have all the different layers of value-added services that you can add on um whether it be loans whether it be financing whether it be bond mortgages um whether it be school school fees and being able to do cross-border remittances and that that's obviously a massive part of the market um you've got the likes of, of, of chipper cash and world pay and world remit and all of the other um, money transfer operators who uh, open up corridors in developed markets to send you know funds back home and uh, people are getting quite clever on how they do that whether they use that using sort of blockchain dlt technology um whether there's some sort of value add on on the recipient side um whether you can control in you know if you're remitting funds to someone in wherever in nigeria you can actually say right this 20 dollars is for education this Ten dollars is for grocery, and this five dollars is for, you know, whatever else it may be. So pe- people are like getting quite clever in terms of the the services they're offering around remittances because sending money point to point um, at the moment is still quite expensive. But I think with uh, the technologies I've mentioned, um, the, the price points coming down, um, then you know the MTOs need to start thinking about how are they going to, um, you know, keep their revenues up if 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 it's kind of a, a margins are being squeezed and it's a race to the bottom, a bit like it has been in. Payments, um, the margins are getting eroded. So, how do you how do you build more value added services that you can charge your consumers or your recipients for? 
I actually think that uh, the, the market in Africa is already beyond the usual suspect countries like uh, Nigeria, Kenya, Egypt, and South Africa, where everybody has been, uh, you know, looking at and investing in. There is also, you know, half, which is a market that uh, we uh, at FTS with, the, with an education initiative are actually targeting. There are also like half a billion people in between the francophone and the lusophone, uh, like Portuguese speaking Africa, that are way more, um, I want to say, not financially uh, included, as well as, uh, but as digitized as the rest of Africa. It's just a matter that because the critical mass and they have a single currency in the case of francophone uh, Africa, and in the case of lusophone Africa, huge tie with Brazil. That is not exactly a small, a small country. So, uh, I think that this uh, uh, and don't get me started on the on the on the African market in general. Otherwise, uh, I will do the show. I will do the show myself. Uh, but th- there will be new frontiers, you know, opening up uh, uh, pretty pretty soon. Guys, we have uh, so many more news to uh, comment uh, and so little time. So I propose we quickly break for a couple of. Uh, for a couple of seconds and then uh, I'll see you back uh, at Breaking Bad Europe. It's a wrap. Let's talk about the future of payments. Your Breaking Payments exclusive series is here and we are ready to showcase how fintech has deconstructed the payments industry and is rebuilding it seamlessly as an embedded experience for the client. Stay tuned for new episodes every month on Breaking Banks Europe. Hey guys, thanks for being back with us. Uh, still Breaking Banks Europe, still from the fintech front with Ali and Darren. The next news is not really a news, it's more like a personal view that I am pretty sure is concerning a lot of uh, savers and wealth managers as well. So uh, we all, um, I don't know, do you guys hold crypto? I do hold crypto a little bit, not huge, but a little bit, you know? Do you? Like you're nodding so a little bit, no? You have to make, yes. you have to make it painful at the moment, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we, all, so we all suffer a different amount of pain, right? But, you know, crypto markets has been, you know, crashing for the past uh, year, I want to say. It depends how long, uh, you know, you, you, you want it to be a holder or not, but clearly... They are not in their best shape, okay? And um, so personally, uh, I hold a little bit of crypto and I never sort of, uh, uh, I never bought like single stocks, you know, all funds or ETFs because uh, I'm not the type of guy that is looking at the PC every day to see whether or not Google or Amazon is taking 8% or down 5%, whatever. But for the first time, uh, I realized that, uh, you know, the GAFAM uh, uh, space uh, plus maybe, I want to say GAFAM plus the PayPal and the Netflix and, and a couple of the NVIDIAs and a couple of uh, very big, they also lost uh, not as much as the crypto, of course, but I want to say, you know, recession, right? Uh, the, so there are two dips or potential dips to buy here. Crypto or like more traditional tech stocks. And uh, I'm curious, you know, what do you think? Is that like, is the deep deep enough? What's your personal experience? And I don't want to know how many millions you have uh, 
in Amazon, Ali. I know you're a rich guy, but yeah, uh, you see what nice. I mean. Yeah. These, these, are, these, are, these are not the type of things I want to unveil, but more about your, your philosophy, right? Because maybe there are some tips that can be useful for, the, for, uh, for our listeners, and I will share mine afterwards, I promise. I've got a tip, actually. So whatever I do, do the opposite. you haven't been a lucky investor just yet ever 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 so uh yeah whatever i do don't do the opposite and you'll be fine you'll be absolutely fine we are looking forward to counter your provisions then you know make sure you share them on twitter (laughs) so are you are you not remortgaging your house and getting out as much loans as possible to put in the dogecoin because if, no, if you're not, no, no, I have no, to do no. that then. Oh, I've already, I've already remortgaged it four times. So I've run out of equity. <laughs> uh, d- don't ask this question to Twitter. I really don't ask this question to Twitter because there is <laughs> such a strong sentiment of hashtag by the dip. Uh, and yeah. my favorite, obviously, laser, laser rate at 100K. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask this to Twitter because there's quite. Um, a borderline, almost religious kind of cult following. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. about absolutely by the dip, by the dip. I mean, it, it's it's all the the cliches of you know don't don't buy what you're not prepared to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what I've been personally doing, this is not financial advice or whatever legal. I, I, I love um, I love Canadian banks on free trade. Um, I, I the likes of free trade and two one two. It's just it's a fun way to kind of sort of learn these things. But Canadian banks there. That, you know that they're relatively stable because I think there's a fair valuation as to what they actually are. They always pay a nice little dividend. Like every quarter, I get you know five, ten quid. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Brilliant, thank you. Um, obviously, then I've got my it's my it's my, my Amazon and Google stock. You know, I've I've lost a couple of uh, couple of hundred million from that over the last uh, the last week. But you know, easy come, easy go. Exactly. Well, my my my, my team now we um, have got these gold bots that they're running, and uh, yeah, they're all getting quite excited about uh, the returns they're getting daily on gold bots. So uh, I'm yet to try it, so I can't can't comment. Me for the first time, uh, I decided to like uh, start uh, a little bit of uh, you know Gafam uh, Gafam stock, also because my my son was going to the university next year. It, it, the 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 um, the thesis for his like a final college uh, presentation was, uh, you know, are we under the power of the GAFM uh, uh, without realizing, you know, something like this. So all of a sudden he made me realize, you know, we, like, we, uh, I helped him of course, because the pitch was in English and then a bit in Italian and stuff like that. So I was like the official rehearsal partner, you know, of, uh, of the kids. And, and uh, uh, but all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you know, we, we were sort of uh, trying to check how powerful these guys were. And all of a sudden I start, you know, investigating a little bit and realize that, uh, hey, maybe it's a good, it's a good time because it's always, uh, you know, if you, if you buy a stock, at least uh, be sure that it will stay, you know, for a little, you know, for a little while. And, and then, uh, you know, of course, not putting, not starting everything, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the huge sum, but buy a little bit just in case that the curve of the dip, uh, you know, is not, uh, uh, is not finished yet, and you know, and that's that is the type of uh, that is the type of a super basic uh, approach. Because Darren, by the way, I have been so unlucky as well with all, with the, with the investments. But the unluckiness was only due to a lack of patience. 
mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't due to you know the the how do you say the 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 fact that the investment were wrong unless you know I, no i have to admit one time i i uh, i lost all my money in a vertical computer inc which was a penny stock because it was an advisor for a, but i was like a 26 years old so i believe uh, it is prescriptive and uh, and it doesn't and it doesn't count really yeah okay guys let's be, uh, after oh. this uh, very uh, like uh, thought through uh, financial advice um, <laughs> i want to talk about show off my my, my wirecard stock right now look at that the what? there we go uh, my, my very very fintech on brand. I was like, Wirecard. I need to get in on this. Uh, so yeah, my uh, my twenty five pence worth of of Wirecard delisted from the stock exchange. Cheers for that. Cheers for that, guys. <laughs> I, I lost a lot more. They're a client of ours. So uh, yeah, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, you you kept your reputation. That's the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, we dealt with them in Africa. Yeah. We didn't deal with them in Germany. Fine. Okay, guys. Uh, the last thing, as a, as a tradition, and I know you're unprepared, but it's a it's a surprise. Uh, I wanna like uh, give you a little bit the opportunity to comment something that you saw recently, and uh, you know, one for Ali and one for Darren, that uh, you know, it sort of struck your struck your mind. You know, like uh, for me, out of this, uh, like the the Swift one was really something that. Uh, uh, it, it was a surprise for me, and I wanted to share. And also, it likes uh, it's uh, it, it it is something that uh, it was not only a surprise, but the sign of a change of an era. You know, like the two competing institutions, like uh, at least on financial services event, uh, now all of a sudden collaborating uh, collaborating that much. Ali, what have you seen recently that you would like us to give a shot at? You know, it's it's something that it's all it's all one institution, but it's kind of competing against itself. That I just wanted to, to highlight. Um, I I did um, uh, a little bit of uh, moderating um, for, uh, for for Amazon, um, and I was like, yeah, Amazon. You know, it's it's, it's a, a big uh, um, yeah, big organization, um, and I've listened to all the you know the audio books about it, so I kind of had that had that uh, had that background. But obviously, one of the things in it is uh, one of the Jeff Bezos Ten Commandments or whatever they're called is, is about being frugal, being truly frugal. Okay. Um, so I, I then got um, a little thing saying, yep, these are the flights that we're going to put you on. And I thought, can I not take these other flights? Because it's a much better time. I said, no, 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 because there's no, there's no business class flights available in that slot there. And I, I said, don't be stupid. You know, send me the money and I'll book a nice cheap 100 quid EasyJet flight for that. <laughs> uh, so, so the a- agency then said, I, I don't know if we can back and forth. Eventually, um, uh, I, I ended up getting the money for the business class flights and taking a nice little cheap EasyJet one. But it just struck me as very, um, probably because it was going through an agency and they, uh, that they didn't, they had grown to the point where they weren't following their own advice as to what made them successful. They had kind of grown to a point where what made them so successful, i.e. that frugality uh, for things that aren't serving the customer, it's doesn't matter whether someone's flying on a business flight or a, or a regular economy or, or whatever, you still get there at the same time. They um, they almost needed a bit of a refresher on that, so I, I use that as kind of the opening of, of my of my talk with lots of kind of sort of murmurs, yeah, yeah, uh, across uh, across the board with that. But yeah, don't, don't, I'd say organisations forgetting what made them successful. I think um, the likes of Monzo, Starling, Revolut, N26 as well, kind of not 
not always, but on occasion, you take a step back and think, why, why were we so popular? I had that fast growth and kind of hold on, hold on to the, hold on to, hold on to your roots, which I think a lot of businesses need to do. That's so interesting, actually. I, the, I, I, I have not experienced yet, uh, you know, the, the, on my clients at least, uh, you know, such a such an attitude just yet. But it is true that there is, uh, it's potentially quite dangerous, right? Hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I consume so much news; it's difficult to kind of decipher what what to talk about. But um, I, I was on a I was on a call um, earlier on this week with the. Um, uh, international intergovernmental fintech working group, um, which is uh, a, a group here in, in South Africa, and it was all about the the crypto um, regulations and and uh, uh, there was a big talk of them stopping arbitrage uh, in South Africa. Um, you know the, the the South African Revenue Authority getting really involved in. Crypto, seeing how they can get their sort of slice of the pie, um, what some of the uh, the banks are doing in terms of trialing. Um, whether it be crypto holdings or whether it be um, the CBDCs. Um, and, uh, you know, there was 260 people that attended this webinar. Um, and looking through the list, I mean, uh, there was people there from all warps of fintech, uh, from payments companies to the banks, um, to the the, fin- uh, the loans companies, to SME financing. Um, so cr- going back to our previous conversation about sort of crypto um, as an asset class and as an investment um, I'm yet to see I'm yet to reap the rewards but I think as a as a technology um, to enable uh, cross-border payments and to enable faster payments I think that's certainly here to stay because you've got some of the biggest players in this market um, that are looking at this really really seriously and investing quite a lot of money in terms of research so for me oh hello um, we've got a new, we've got a new uh, new host hey hello. Some, somebody's just woken up, so I'll keep him on for a little bit. <laughs> that's great. It's that, that's that's good. can can we tweet this? You know, can we tweet this picture? And that giraffe is amazing. What do you reckon? If we're talking about Africa, so there we go. I've got a real one in my garden. I've got a real one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, Mateo, it was it was about the. Um, uh, the sort of collaboration that happens within our within our sector. I think it, it going back to your Swift sort of comment a bit earlier on. Um, I think this is a really unique sector where you've got lots of people competing and there's lots of competitors going for sort of very similar markets, but everyone is willing to come into the same room and have conversations when it comes certainly when it comes to regulatory matters. Um, and that's one of the reasons that you know the FinTech Association of South Africa is set up to give a, um, a sort of focal point um, to be able to go into to lobby the regulators and, and what have you. So um, for me, I think um, you know generally, and there are there are a few exceptions, but I won't mention any names. Um, the majority of people in fintech are really cool people. Um, it's a really great sector to be involved in. Um, everyone's more than happy to sort of give you time and to have conversations and share knowledge. And I think that's what makes this a really special sector. Interesting. And actually, you know, the, my my highlights for uh, for uh, for the week is the fact that uh, you know I wasn't actually in London uh, outside of London. Uh, yesterday and the day before for for a client event and the theme was uh, 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 web3 and the metaverse in financial services okay uh, and of course uh, you know I, I did not pretend like between us uh, many do uh, to be an expert on web3 and the metaverse on the, but on the contrary what we did is that uh, we did like an Oxford debate style presentation where 
backed by research. We talked about, you know, NFTs, uh, you know, bank and the metaverse, uh, you know, remittances using crypto uh, or like uh, payments over gaming. Uh, so, sorry, payments in the gaming space, you know, and a whole lot of, uh, uh, I want to say, research-backed facts to ask the crowd whether or not, it, you know, the fact that, for example, uh, 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 Web3 payments could kill the remittance space because by definition they are ubiquitous, cheap, uh, you know, they work with low-value payments, uh, they are independent from location, there is very zero friction, etc., etc., whether or not the fact that Web3 payments in the next decade could potentially kill remittances, uh, uh, the remittance space on Web2, it was a thing or not. And, uh, and you know, it was a little bit uh, uh, an experiment because uh, we admitted that it's very hard to predict the future. And Web3 could sound like the new ICO thing, you know, or the whole metaverse it could be another second life. You know, type of experiment uh, that completely that completely crashed, and uh, and of course we pushed the crowd to sort of position themselves like left or right, uh, whether they agree or disagree on this uh, on these different topics, and uh, there were very little consensus. You know, so the the, the there are a lot of uh, uh, there is a lot of skepticism but also a lot of potential. I wonder how much have we been exposed to Web3 and Metaverse so far, you know, beside whatever you can read, you know, that Zuckerberg flying on the Facebook ad and on the Meta ad and whatever. Because I have done a lot of research recently and what is more fascinating about it is the opinion that generates into the people that are really struggling to see objective problems today, like notarization, you know, remittances and financial inclusion and authentication and identity, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they almost look at this uh, magic, magic potion, you know, as, as if a metaverse, uh, the metaverse could, uh, could be one. I wonder whether or not you have been exposed to it or not, Ali. I don't think it's going to go the same way as uh, I remember. Was it uh, Long Island Ice Tea blockchain? And all of a sudden, a nice little spike uh, happened on, on on their share price. I can't see the same thing happening with, with Web three or or Metaverse. If they change that, add that to the name, that'll make a big uh, a, a big a big difference. Um, I, I also think Metaverse. Uh, one of the things that, again, like yourselves, I, I am uh, I, I've. I've been a, a good a good chunk of research, but I'm not an expert uh, in uh, in Metaverse, unlike. Um, and it is quite a broad topic. And one of the things I was curious with was the virtual reality element. Because back when we could fly, I, I would always, uh, I'd have a little virtual reality headset and I'd wear that on a plane. Um, and what, and that was such an efficient thing. And I, I spent the entire time going, why is nobody else doing this? And, and things like that, I think is what's actually going to drive that, uh, drive things like the metaverse for, for forward when it's kind of, seen in a practical way where what are the options to do with that moment there you can sit there and i think what i'm trying to say about it is where it's going to thrive is not where you're trying to 
recreate what already exists in the real world, but where you kind of use it for its... Because the example people always give, come to our virtual bank branch in the metaverse. Um, nobody wants that. But if you can take that reality and augment it with everywhere that you look, for example, it gives you kind of how long it will take you to pay that back or uh, what, what levels of work you need to do, et cetera. That, that is actually kind of pushing it forward as opposed to just recreating what's already here. That end. So it's interesting, Ali, you mentioned virtual reality. I was involved um, in, a, in a startup a couple of years ago, virtual reality, and um, the, the business has since pivoted and now does virtual reality for training um, in actually in Africa. So it's using, you know, very lightweight headfo- uh, headsets where you slot your phone in and uh, it's it's mainly used for, for, for the agri sector, so the agricultural sector. So uh, that, that I can see um, as a benefit, right? I think that's, there's, there's a use case for that. Right, which I think is is relevant. Um, you know, I went to a conference uh, or a talk a, a few weeks ago, um, and it was about the metaverse of Web three. Honestly, I came out more confused than when I went in. Um, just so many questions, and uh, the ultimate question was, "But why?" Um, certainly, when it came to, to sort of VR, it was like, uh, personally, and I, I've tried the the Oculuses. Um, it made me feel really sick. Um, you know, I was on a spacewalk or something, and. Oh, I felt really disorientated and um, I didn't enjoy the experience at all. So that's just my personal preference. Can I see it for things like gaming? Um, I was out with, with a colleague yesterday, a young guy, and uh, he was talking about virtual reality gaming and, you know, how, uh, you know, how involved he gets and how, uh, uh, how, he, how much he enjoys it. And I, I can get that for, for sure. Um, do I see proper applications for it that's going to change the world? I don't know. It's probably one of those investments I should have made and never did. <laughs> Q <laughs> uh, Black Mirror references because yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, that's the thing. Like, why, why why would you go to work when you can go and put on a virtual reality uh, set and be in a be virtually at work the entire time? I, I think that's the there's a lot of dystopian opportunities there. Mm. That sounds horrific. Dystopian opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, uh, I think that we are uh, with, with this like a huge uh, like sort of question marks. But the the the, the now this world got me fascinated. Uh, so I think that I'm going to like deepen the research uh, a little bit and eventually, you know, make uh, make a, a like a, an Oxford podcast, an Oxford debate podcast. You know, with uh, uh, you know, for and against and skeptical and 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 judges, you know, on on this that would be that would be fun. Uh, I thank you so much for being with us uh, today and commenting some of the some of the news. Ali, thank you for uh, you know having uh, introduced us uh, the future executive producer of Breaking Max Europe, Ali. Oh yes, yeah, the little yeah, the, the, the wee one there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, joke, you joke about this. My my, my other son was the uh, when three. He was the youngest speaker at Money Twenty Twenty, uh, with, with with a badge oh. and everything. So it kind of bring, brings it all all right back around. Amazing, Darren. Thanks a lot for being with us. No, thank you for the invite, guys. That was the Breaking Banks Europe news from the fintech front, and it's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.